I can't really put into words how how special that is when you see them, um, you know, like Sean getting back on that mound or Eric, Eric making his, you know, finally making his debut to pro ball and succeeding like he did. Welcome to episode 167 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Taylor Burns might be the most active social media presence in Alberta baseball circles. Not only known for his takes on his beloved Edmonton Oilers, Burns has been busy building the brand of Absolute Human Performance and AHP Academy with videos of his athletes as well as his own advice and takes on strength and conditioning. That's become his passion as a certified strength and conditioning specialist after spending years as an athlete himself. Back in 2011, Burns had shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum after his junior season in university, and he wasn't able to pitch again until he went to the University of Central Missouri in 2016-2017. That time off allowed him to find some new passions, including coaching and mentoring in the Edmonton and St. Albert regions. We've long wanted to have Taylor on the podcast to talk about his journey and felt like we were only scratching the surface in this candid conversation. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Let's start off with your upbringing, an Edmonton area kid. How did you get into baseball in the first place, and who was maybe instrumental in getting you there and making that connection? Man, I mean, yeah, born and raised in St. Albert, played my whole life in St. Albert. Um, I'd probably say my dad, like, it's tough. You know, I loved, I loved every sport when I was young, five, six, seven. Um, I just loved sports, was drawn to them. Um, I remember being young and loving the movie Sandlot. Um, my dad played, My dad played ball growing up, and, um, by the time I was probably 10 or 11, my two favorite sports were, were baseball and hockey. And, um, I just, I just fell in love with the game and was lucky enough to have some really good experiences in Mosquito and Peewee beyond some really good teams, make some good friends, um, you know, have, a, you know, actually be able to, to win some provincials. And obviously that made it more fun and just loved the game more and more. Do you remember the moment where you realized that this was more than just fun? Like, Hey, maybe I could push college on this. Um, yeah, I think kind of probably around Bantam, um, you know, I, I, I love, I kind of had to make a choice between hockey and baseball and, you know, I played all the school sports too and, and, and really liked those. But um, what's funny is I was, I wasn't the best player. I was, I was decent, you know, I played triple A and everything, but I just loved baseball and yeah, it was probably around grade nine where I went, okay, I want to play college baseball. Um, I can't even really ex- I honestly can't really explain to you why I just loved it and it's just I decided that's what I wanted to do was it challenging given that we live in a hockey and football world first and foremost in this province and that there's sort of that expectation of okay I'm gonna you got to chase that dream versus what feels sometimes like this impossible hey I'm a Canadian and I'm gonna try to play baseball a little bit I mean I think yeah for sure I didn't even know college baseball was really a thing until probably I was, yeah, great ninth grade. Um, I was lucky enough to, uh, my dad sent me out with, um, Dan Lajoie. He had a, a little, um, it was like two classroom portables out by Terrapines golf course. And he'd heard about this guy, um, who, who was training baseball players in the winter and started doing that a couple times a week. And then halfway through ninth grade, they moved, uh, into a bigger facility in St. Albert. And him and Sheen Brownlee were my coaches. And um, I remember, you know, Dan just basically talking about like college baseball and down in the U.S. And I started, oh, that would be pretty cool. And 
got in an environment where I was with, you know, 10 or 11 other players that um, sort of were, were like-minded and we were going six, seven days a week. Um, and then grade 10 was kind of a turning point where I really started to improve and truly dedicated myself to it and um, made it a concrete goal, I would say. Mm -hmm. Now, you end up making that dream happen. How tough was that to make it happen? Because even a decade removed, it wasn't as easy as it is today to get the attention of those college programs or, you know, the, the social media is a little bit different, obviously, than it was even a decade ago. Yeah, it was completely different. I mean, I would say... Um, I talked, you know, have lots of meetings with, with parents and kids, obviously, about about the process mm -hmm. um, to get down south. And um, when, you know, I played my, my third year uh, midget, we, you know, I think we went like 50 and 10, um, you know, went to nationals. And there was only two of us that went down or three of us that went down and played college baseball that graduated. It was still like it was very serious, mm -hmm. but I would say only maybe a, there were the majority of players on the, on a midget triple A baseball team, uh, weren't going to go play college baseball where I would say now, um, I would say 98, 99% of players at that level, like that's it's They're not going to be done baseball after that. They, it's a means to an end. They're trying to play at the next level. How has that changed or where did it change? Because it, it's kind of, it almost feels like overnight we went from, okay, we're getting a couple of kids in Juco and that's it to now here in Canada and, and even here in Alberta, you're seeing a, a multitude of guys who are not just playing college ball. They're playing good college ball. Absolutely. I mean, I think, kind of a, a cumulative effect. I mean, um, when I was like, so grade 10 was D Dan Lejoie and Sheen and then grade 11. Um, that's when I met Cam Houston and he was young, just came back and he'd been an all American. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, in, in his generation, uh, that there were some guys that went down and actually like Lars Davis, you know, I think played at a big time division one, um, guys a little bit older than me, guy that I work with now, like Jason Chatwood, um, making it to like Gonzaga, like that wasn't really a thing. Um, and more, you know, some more Canadians playing professionally um, and making it to the MLB. But guys like Cam Houston, um, who came back and started giving back and coaching, um, I think showed the next generation it was possible. And then right around that same time, like I think 2006 was Vauxhall's first year. 2009, 2008 was when Okotoks really started up and the Prospects Academy really started up. Mm -hmm. And before that, you hadn't seen anything like that. A, the price point. B, the value those programs gave in order to um, charge that amount. And it was, you know, all of a sudden now there's three elite programs in the province where there's they're, you're enrolling in order to play college baseball. So mm -hmm. instead of just kind of these one-off sort of, if you're a really good player, maybe you can go down if you have a, if, a, if your coach has a personal connection. Suddenly there's, three elite programs with you know a, a total of 60 players and all 60 are wanting to go down mm -hmm. and then it just you know um, evolved from there as those kids go, as those guys went down and had success some of them like me i guess came back and started coaching and it just it's just snowballed and now you're seeing you know guys more guys in pro ball tons and tons of guys at you know big time division ones that kind of thing it's amazing i keep referring to it as success breeds success but you have those people coming back yourself and others who've said you know what i know that my my pro dream is over it's time to give back and being able to do that it's amazing how fast that trickle down effect really has been on the athletes of today because i mean these are machines that are coming out now yeah it's i mean you're seeing uh I think better coaches and the programs continue to evolve. It's providing, like you said, uh, you know, success breeds success. 
um, these programs, the, the competition's improving. Mm -hmm. So like when I went down, I mean, man, was it a wake up call? You know, I could throw 84, 85 by people up here and then I get down there and I've got to be like a crafty pitcher in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. And now you got, I mean, guys are just throwing way, way harder and each program is kind of pushing each other and they're able to, um, prepare their players, not just with training, but with the level of competition that they're going to probably see down south. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to your time in college. And obviously one of the big aspects of this, and we're going to talk about it, is is the shoulder injury. Walk us through how it all started for you and why it took so long for you to recuperate. Oh, man. I mean, I'll try and make a long story short. <laughs> um, my story, like my overall story is just way too long. But um, it actually started Christmas break um, of my sophomore year. Uh, I was playing at Hutch, Hutch Juco, um, had a really, really strong fall. Um, and I don't really know what happened on my, uh, second last day of Christmas break was doing bench press, kind of heard a pop, woke up the next day, couldn't even lift my arm. Um, and it took me about, got, got back, got back to Kansas mid January season starts kind of, uh, late February. And it took me basically four or five weeks to get back to being able to throw, it never felt actually very good, but I got to a point where I could where I could pitch, um, kind of grind, grinded through the season, had a pretty good year. As a team, we had a phenomenal year. Um, we ended up going to the Juco World Series and finishing third. Um, and then I moved on. I didn't play summer ball, tried to kind of recover and rehab, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and then grinded through my junior season as well. Um, but it got pretty bad and eventually I had an MRI and, and had a surgery. Um, I could speak to a lot of different things that went wrong, but ultimately that was kind of the gateway into why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I've said it a million times, but I never should have had surgery. Um, I had a torn labrum. Um, but if you look at the MRI, I presented with, um, tendinosis in all four rotator cuff muscles. Wow. Um, so definitely that was why I was symptomatic and presenting with so much pain. There was a lot of underlying, um, maybe movement deficiencies that were leading to the injury reaching threshold. And a surgeon is just basically going to go, okay, you got a torn labrum. We need to repair that. Um, not to get too geeky, but ultimately for me, I I'm, am and was extremely hypermobile. So what that means is my, I have a lot of congenital laxity. My joints are very loose. Mm -hmm. When you tighten that labrum, okay, your labrum is basically like tissue around like your cuticle. It's going to surround that, that shoulder joint and they, they tighten it really tight. And I just think, um, you know, it went from being so loose to being uber tight. And when I got, when I went through the rehab program and, and started to throw, um, and continued to try to throw, I still had pain. That's probably because we never actually truly fixed the underlying issues that was causing my pain in the first place. And there came a point in time where I just had to move on. And I don't want to use the words give up, but, you know, I, I had to quit. Uh, it was time to do other things. How tough was that on you mentally? Because we always talk about the physical aspect of it, but the mental game is is half of what I know you deal with now when you're talking to young kids. But for you, what was that like? For me, um, you know, I haven't, it, it, it's strange to think about this now. It was almost like a different person, but um, it was beyond difficult. I was uh, I was in a dark, dark, bad place um, for about a year and a half. If anybody who's listening has gone through the return to throw program, the traditional return to throw, um, 
for about 15 months. When I say I gave up or, or, or moved on, that was after 16 months of basically I would do the 60 foot phase, 90 foot phase, 120 foot phase. And when I get to the 150, I'd throw a ball and my shoulder would just seize up and I wouldn't be able to lift my arm for a couple of days. And it was so bad that I, when I started throwing it, I'd have to go back to the 60 foot phase. It would take me about four weeks to get back to where I was. And then the same thing would happen to 150. So I never even got to the mound phase mm -hmm. and it was doing serious harm to my psyche, my, my mental health. Um, I was in, I'm not going to get too much into it, but it couldn't have been much worse. Um, I'm glad I was able to climb out of that hole and see that there was, uh, there was more to life than, than being a baseball player. And, and I was, I myself wasn't just a baseball player, um, but it took me a long time to get out. And that experience is definitely, um, I guess is a big part of why I'm doing what I do now. You segued perfectly into my next question is how did that help you kind of create that mindset to be able to get into a coaching but even into the entrepreneurship game creating academies doing all that kind of thing with this notion of devoted to driven athletes right. that's got to be a big part of what's created what you've been able to create for sure i mean I, it, it's cliche but we talk about all the time is just be who you needed when you were younger um and that that can mean lots of things but for me when i started getting into coaching at 22 right around like basically the same time um, you know, I just, I knew how I was feeling. Um, I had, I was, I had no plan B. Like I just, I was 100% all in on baseball. Um, and so when my goals and dreams ended, I needed to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And um, I just really, really didn't want uh, anybody to feel how I was feeling um, at all. And that led me into strength and conditioning. It led me to, you know, Eric Cressy. Um, and doing tons and tons of research into, you know, well, how did I get hurt? Maybe, maybe how was I training that I shouldn't have been training? You know, what can we do differently from, from a throwing program standpoint, from a training standpoint, from a, uh, you know, a workload management standpoint, all those things to try my best to make sure that, you know, a kid doesn't have his career injured or ended by injury. It's amazing to me is one of the things that I'm taking away from this already is um, when it comes to the science part of it, it's not necessarily about returning it to uh, an injury to normal. It's to your specific normal. Is, is that a good way of putting it to a certain extent when it comes to how you see the recuperation process for a lot of these young athletes? Absolutely. I mean, everybody's going to be a little bit different. You have to, you have to, um, you know, assess each athlete and, and everyone's going to be unique and, and their needs are going to be unique. Um, and so then your plan to help them, you know, either either optimize uh, their training for performance or get them back to return to play and then return to perform. Um, you need to meet them where they're at and come up with the best plan um, based on their specific situation. And when when it comes to throwing and when it comes to shoulders, um, I, I say, you know, shoulders are like snowflakes, like it, it's an incredibly intricate claustrophobic complex joint and complex um the whole area like when i talk about shoulder i'm talking about thoracic spine you know i'm talking about everything that you know the whole uh, cervical area you name it um there's a lot to it and beyond that you have to do some digging to um you know an athlete's experience their their their, their performance history their injury history even you know maybe they had some tendonitis back when they were you know 14 15. so um 
yeah, to answer your question, um, it's it's absolutely like you can't cookie cut. Mm-hmm. You 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 have you have principles, but then you have to go um, to each specific case to try and try and do your best. Does it surprise you at how much you've kind of taken in that science aspect of it versus just being, you know, the old school mentality of just power through the pain and all that kind of thing and just trying to create the best athlete? You're trying to kind of get into the science of it. Was that something that you had in mind when you first started this? Yes, because I would say simultaneously as I was in that dark place, I fell in love with two things. I fell in love with coaching baseball, but I also fell in love with being a strength coach. Like I, I love to lift weights. Um, I love to train not just baseball players. Um, and when I started AHP, this is a little later, um, I didn't initially set out to, to necessarily train baseball athletes. I wanted to have a gym. And if it, I didn't really know what it was going to be. If it ended up being, you know, a bunch of uh, middle-aged people that wanted to get in better shape, that was great by me. I, I love both of those areas. So, and then like Cressy is the absolute leader when it comes to, you know, string and shooting coaches, not just in baseball, but, um, you know, in, in any area. Um, and so, yeah, 2011, when I, when I first came across this stuff, I was just fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, to be able to, you have to be a good generalist, um, to be good at something specifically first. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to, or, you know, in that way, you're able to draw upon lessons from other areas. Um, you know, whether the same principles apply to trying to make somebody faster or recover from a knee injury as a throwing injury. If I didn't understand the science, I, sh- I, I shouldn't and wouldn't be um, working with athletes on their recovery. I wouldn't be qualified. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that slogan that's front and center on your website. It's devoted to driven athletes. How much of what you do is focused on the intangibles, not necessarily the strength, the conditioning, the physical aspect of it, but the mental side as well? I, th- I mean, I think I think for us, we want to be much more than just a gym, mm-hmm. you know, for, for whoever comes in here. Um, and it kind of goes back to m- our own experiences where I want to make sure if I have a, if I have an athlete that's willing to work extremely hard, um, they're going to be able to extre- work extremely hard intelligently. It's our job to make sure that they're doing the right work to actually move the needle and get better. If we have a kid who's willing to be, you know, we have a driven athlete, all right, we need to be devoted to them and work at least as hard as them for them um, in order to help them achieve what they want to achieve. And then when you get into that, it's well beyond the physical conditioning. No doubt, you know, um, everything we do in the weight room and from a skill side on baseball, um, it's, it's, it's massively important. But the mental game um, is huge helping them learn how to set goals, be better people, you know, be better students, all that stuff's important. But ultimately to me, why we're doing what we're doing and whether it's coaching a baseball team or, or having it, the weight room and baseball to me are two phenomenal vessels. All they are is vessels and to help people, help kids become, you know, great people. Like that's what matters to me much more to prepare them to succeed at life. And if we can help somebody be a little bit of a better you know, friend or husband or wife one day, um, I think that's far more important 
than helping them reach their athletic goals, which of course is extremely important too. Mm -hmm. A couple of athletes that we've had either on the podcast or spotlighted on over the last uh, few weeks here, Eric Sabrowski and Sean Adamanchuk, uh, a couple of people who are either recuperating from injury or have done the recuperation. How gratifying is it from your perspective to see these guys and, and, and girls who come through your program and do so exceptionally well after they've been with your program? I mean, it, it, you know, you, you, I can't really put into words how, how special that is when you see them, um, you know, like Sean getting back on that mound or Eric, Eric making his, you know, finally making his debut to pro ball and succeeding like he did. Um, because, you know, it's not about me, but I actually do know the feeling. I know the feeling of not making it back. And then I actually, I went back five and a half years later to University of Central Missouri and that feeling of getting back out there and getting to compete and do what you love to do and every single thing, all the time that has passed, every little thing that you have done in order to get back out there and all the hard times and setbacks and everything that you've overcome to just do what you love most. I mean, it's it's been so special to see both both those two guys and, and then, you know, Chaz Wheatley, too, who had been hurt mm-hmm. um, to get them to get out there again. Uh, I don't know. It's cliche, but it's it's why why we do what we do. They've obviously learned a lot from you. Conversely, what have these athletes taught you about yourself and the way that you're going about your business? Oh man, um, that's a good question. I think every athlete you come across is an opportunity. You know, they present an opportunity to continue to be a, a better coach um, and a better mentor. I guess if you want to use that word, you know, it's going to improve your ability to communicate. Um, I'll speak to each of them individually. I guess a little bit like with Eric. Um, you know, I'm an introvert, and if you know Eric, Eric's an extrovert, mm-hmm. and He's a guy that's almost never in a bad mood. He's always, you know, I sometimes kid with athletes like you're either a fountain or a drain. Like that dude is almost always a fountain. You know, he, he's he's bringing the energy. He's making people um, around him happier. He's, he's super positive, even, you know, if maybe he's going through a tough time. And that's definitely, and I've known Eric since he was 13. He's always been that way. I would say if I had to think uh, of one big thing that he's taught me, that would be it. And then um, with Sean, I would say it's almost the opposite. Not, and I'm not talking about negativity versus mm-hmm. positivity, but uh, the dude is stoic. Um, you know, he he he's able to, I think, remain very even keeled and just go go about his work day in day out, um, not get too low. And I think that's extremely valuable. You blend those two lessons; it's huge. You started off as a one-man show with AHP, and now you've been able to bring in some friends and even some family. And I'm curious, what's it like doing all of this with your brother? I, uh, I, I, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Uh, you know, Connor and I have, um, an extremely, I can't even really explain the bond and the bond, the friendship and the brotherhood we have, um, especially with some of the stuff and it's continuing to grow because it's some, some of the stuff that we've, we've gone through recently or not even recently with the last seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm seven years older than him. So he's my, he won't like me saying this, but like, he's my baby brother. He will always be my kid brother. Um, and I, it was an extremely unique, special experience and opportunity for me when I came back home, probably the biggest silver lining was getting to coach him grade 10 through his gap year and help him in whatever way I did or could have, um, reach his goals and get to play college baseball. And that time, because I moved away when he was in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So then I was kind of gone. Um, and we kind of became friends through his high school years. And then now to, it's almost a similar experience, but different where we're getting to work together 
um, you know, on a daily basis and, and do something we both love and are extremely passionate about. Um, it's beyond special. And even more than that, it's, it's extremely rewarding and special to me to see him doing such a good job and care so much about the athletes and a little bit, I'm getting older. I just turned 32, you know, when so he's, old, he's, <laughs> he's, he's 25. And like when I was 23, 24, 25, that's when I coached Connor and Eric Jackson work guys like that. Where when you're that age and Cam, Cam Houston was like 32. And like obviously at 32, we're still young. We can still relate to the players, mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same. At 24, you're almost like their older brother. So seeing the relationship Connor has with our kids um, and maybe reminding me of what it used to be like a little <laughs> bit, uh, it's awesome. It's crazy to think that 32 is old. Man, oh man, I'm <laughs> over the hill then. We mentioned Connor. Obviously, Ethan Elias was on the show a, a while back as well. How important has it been for you to be able to bring people in who complement your programming or to be able to maybe, as we were talking off air about it, being able to either fill the gaps that they have or they fill the gaps that you have? Yeah, I think with Ethan, I mean, um, for for to be a, a, a whatever business it is, I think at a certain point, you have to start hiring people better than you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ethan, I think is, is starting to pass me or has passed me in terms of being a pitching coach. He's, he's excelling. He's doing a phenomenal job. Him and I, uh, you know, it was a pretty seamless transition. We, this isn't the first year we've worked together, like with kids, he's been around part-time for a couple of years, but I trained him for, you know, six, seven years or whatever it was when he was playing professionally. Um, and I've seen him grow, but you know, he's able to bring things to the table from a pitching perspective that I'm just not able to. Um, and he's, he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, and, and then I think he's interested in the other side of things a little bit like the rehab, the shoulder health. And so, like you said, it's kind of like we were able to fill in each other's gaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, when you think about the expansion of your program and even beyond the baseball scope, you've mentioned the hockey side, but you've got athletes from all walks of life and all kinds of sports that are being involved here. What is your mindset on multi-sport? How do you how do you try to make sure that everybody's kind of looking at the game that they're playing at from maybe a different perspective or different lens? Man, the multi-sport thing, like, are you are you asking kind of in terms of, like, should kids play multiple sports? That, is that kind that, of weird? But also from a business perspective, being able to maybe branch out beyond, um, you know, you see, you you mentioned Okotoks and, and Vauxhall is in their baseball programs, right? And here you are maybe blazing a different path where it's it's multi-sport from, from a business perspective, too. Yeah, I mean, okay, so from a business perspective, I mean, it, it, it's massive from a purely pragmatic standpoint, like from running a business and, and wanting to grow and be viable and all that stuff. Um, baseball, you know, it makes up a massive portion of our, our clientele, but, um, you know, we're living in Edmonton. So mm-hmm. there, there's a ton of hockey athletes. Um, there's lots of other sports. And I also, I, I, I love baseball, obviously, but I want to help any athlete that, that wants to reach their goals. And, uh, to be completely honest, I envision a future where, you know, pretty much, we have we have other sport academies at some point, um, and so we're 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 making that leap this summer. Where in the past, other than base like our baseball athletes, obviously started the academy. But if you're a baseball player, we, you can also receive um, sport training uh, in in addition to your strength conditioning. Until this summer, your volleyball, hockey, whatever, it's only strength and conditioning. So this will be the first time where we're able to offer a more integrated approach to a non-baseball athlete, and uh, I'm really excited. Um, to to, to kind of jump into the hockey program, and I've got a couple guys that I think are going to be great. 
Do you think that that is a, a big bonus for athletes is to play the multi-sport game and try to do it as long as possible to maybe be able to not be so hyper-focused on one sport or another? I do. I think it's such a loaded question, though, because everybody's different. Like, for me, I think some people would say, oh, you like because I quit everything after ninth grade. And mm-hmm. like, oh, you didn't play. But I did play multiple sports. So I, you know, I played I played junior high volleyball, basketball, badminton. I played hockey growing up. I played soccer. I did everything. But I was a good athlete, not a great athlete. Had I not quit everything, there's no chance in the world I would have played college baseball. I just wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It took me from September all the way through March, the whole offseason, going six, seven days a week. And I just got to like 84 by grade 12. So um, everyone's different. And it, it all it's when we're as coaches and string instrument coaches, like we're in service. So it's, it's our job to give the best information, but ultimately do what the kid wants. Mm-hmm. So, but part of that is, is to be honest with kids. Sometimes you go, Hey, you, if you want to play college baseball, you might need to quit everything. But if you've got a kid who's a, a super talented athlete, they can continue to play multiple sports all the way through high school and they'll still be able to make it to that next level. So it kind of depends. But with that said, I absolutely think there it's there are times to it's too early to specialize. I didn't specialize until I was almost 16. So I think that that kind of forms a rock bed um, for multiple skill sets. Number one, the ability to be, you know, general preparation to be a good overall athlete. But also, I think the ability, the mental side of things, the ability to compete, you know, my ability, you know, you can you can lean on some of your experiences when you're growing up. You know, you, you've you've played in some important volleyball games and you need to make a serve when it really matters. That's the exact same mental skill as making a pitch when you need to like 23, 23 and you're on the serve line is the same thing. You got to clear your brain, trust yourself, hit a serve. It's the exact same thing as, you know, executing a two, two breaking ball. So that's where I think multiple sports is massively important. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'll say on that is we're living in a different world these days where multi-sport seems to, it seems to be misconstrued as organized. You can, you can be a multi-sport athlete and, and play pickup basketball you know, it doesn't have to be everything is paid to play and with a team. So that would be the other thing. You know, I played a ton of basketball growing up. I never really played organized basketball. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. No, it's, it's fantastic stuff. And I love the individuality aspect of it. We try to get everybody to fit into these specific silos, and I'm not totally certain why. And so I think that that leads into my next question, which is what's next for you, both on a personal level, but also from your business and program perspective? For me and, and the program, I think, uh, man, I, I definitely want to continue to hire more more coaches, especially on the on the gym side of things, but the baseball academy too, so and and, and some people on the admin side, um, so that I can get back to being in the trenches a little bit more. I do love working on the business a lot and studying and doing and 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 being able to kind of be like more like the general manager Mm -hmm. but i do i would love to free up my time a little bit more to get back to coaching a little more and have the ability to like we're our academy is going to vegas i don't think i'm going to go um you know ethan and connor they're the head coaches of the academy they're going to go obviously but you know somebody's got to be here to to coach the other sport athletes at the gym unless i want to close close it for a week Mm -hmm. so for me that's definitely a personal goal continue to, you know, just get better every day at what I do. Um, for our academy, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're just scratching the surface. Um, we're very excited for the, some of the things we have planned. Um, this year, we have our senior academy, and then our junior academy was, was three days a week just practice and training. We're really excited to, um, you know, 
add layers to that for next year. We're going to do, you know, some, some, uh, a competitive schedule in the fall and some, some U S trips, um, in the spring for, and that, that program's kind of geared grade nine to 11. And then, um, we are going to be moving into our third facility, uh, a brand new facility, about four times the size, um, January of 2023. So really excited about that as well. You hardly have anything on the go. I tell you, I don't know when you sleep, but, uh, anyways, <laughs> <Just> a, <little laughs> bit. Uh, a couple more questions before we let you go here. Uh, first off, I was reading an article from a Canadian baseball network. This was quite a few years ago. I think it was six or seven years ago. Uh, you penned to your 18 year old self. So on that train of thought, what advice would you offer to those young athletes just starting out on their journeys, no matter the sport, hoping to maybe one day take it to the next level? Oh, man, um, the best advice, well, some of the best advice I got, I remember when, you know, Cam Houston, he was my high school coach and he was instrumental uh, for me in two two ways. Number one, when, when, when he coached me in high school and then also we coached prospects together and he was a great mentor. Um, but I remember the last thing he said to me, uh, you know, after our last game and he just said, man, like it's going to go so much faster than you think. And I only half believed him. And, um, so that would be number one is enjoy everything. And it's going to go so fast. Those four years are going to go so fast or however long, um, and enjoy everything. Enjoy the monotony, enjoy morning weights, enjoy the bus rides, you name it. Like there, there, I, there's nothing better than, than, you know, being on a team and getting to compete and all, all the stuff that comes with that chasing chasing your dream you know the camaraderie of, of a family a, a group a group working towards a common goal and and hanging out with the guys at the, in the dorms and you know the partying and the plan everything i mean it just isn't any better um you know number two i would say with that is um see how good you can get in those four years and have fun but don't have too much fun so you want to enjoy it but don't lose sight of the goal. And there's certain sacrifices that have to be made if you want to reach your goals. Um, and then, you know, above and beyond that, I would say um, learn from others' mistakes. I think that's one of the most important things. If you want to, let's say I'm talking to a, col a college athlete, you want to continue playing after that, you probably don't have enough time to only learn from your own mistakes. So be a sponge, pay attention to others' mistakes so that you can kind of springboard your development and learning uh, a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Fantastic stuff. Final question for you. You probably know what's coming. What does the game of baseball mean to you? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I, I, a little bit less than it used to, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, you, you asked me that five years ago, 10 years ago, I said it's my whole life. Um, I obviously still love it so much. Um, it's given me, you know, so much. So many great friendships, incredible memories. Um, I think it's I think it's the best game in the world for 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 you know learning who you are, um, developing all that stuff. Um, I I don't really know how to answer that. Mm -hmm. um, I I think back to being 15, 16, and um, kind of making that decision that that's what I wanted to do, and being obsessed. And I'm I'm probably still obsessed. Well, fantastic again. Really appreciate uh, all the time and all the, the, the thoughts. We've been meaning to do this for quite a while now, so I'm glad we were able to finally uh, hack it out. We could go for days, uh, I'm sure. So, uh, Taylor, again, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Congratulations on all the success you've had to this point and continued success with AHP. Oh, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, thank you for all that you guys are doing to you know tell, tell the stories of, 
of, uh, you know, not just the, the pros, but, you know, um, everything that's going on in baseball in Alberta. There's nothing, been nothing really like it before. And I think it's awesome that you guys are telling a lot of stories that would have, would have and have gone untold for a long time. Thanks again to Taylor Burns for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. We'd also like to thank our Platinum supporters for all they do for us. AHP Academy is one of those supporters joining us late last year. As mentioned, it's been great to see the success they've had already and looking forward to see what's next. You can head to ahpbaseball.com for more. And we'd also like to tip our caps to the Okotoks Dogs, another Platinum supporter. They've been with us from the very beginning as our very first sponsor. We can't wait for the 2022 WCBL season, and the Dogs will certainly be a big piece of it, including hosting the league's All-Star game. For more information, you can go to dogsbaseball.ca. Again, thank you for all of your support, whether it's on social media, on our website at albertadugoutstories.com, or of course right here on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.